I wandered in sin's black night, and there was no way I could make my wrongs right. Then that old accuser to the Lord did cry, He is a sinner, and now he must die. But then I heard a voice saying, Father, I'll go and I'll pay his sin debt in Calvary's flow. I'll bear in my body the marks of the cross to save that child who is sin sick and Testament, 2 Kings chapter number 10 is uh, where we're going to look sort of a little bit of a build off of sort of where I was this morning to a certain degree uh, with the life of Ahab and, um, and of course we're going to go a little further on down the line um, here dealing with one of his sons to a certain degree and the one that took his place. I love studying 1 Kings and 2 Kings, of course the historical books of the Bible is a great application that we can take from a lot of this as well. I'm going to look at a fellow by the name of Jehu uh, tonight. I hope it'll be an encouragement and a help to somebody along the way. As I go back through, sometimes I get bogged down. I'm not done with David. 
And we'll be back to the life of David for long. Man, I got a, a multitude of notes as I've studied through and just jotted a few things down where messages just continue to build. And I hope the study of David and the life of David has been a help uh, to each one. But tonight, 2 Kings chapter 10, um, I'm going to read closer. To, I'm not going to read the whole text, but I'm going to pick up reading in about verse number 27. And this deals with the life of Jehu. And, of course, he was king there, and we'll, we'll talk a few things about him tonight. But notice what your Bible said in 2 Kings chapter 10, and verse number 27 is where we'll pick up reading. The Bible said, And they break down the image of Baal, and break down the house of Baal, and made it a draught house unto this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Howbeit from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them to wit the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. And the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, thy children of the fourth generation shall sit, or shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. For he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, which made Israel to sin. I want you to notice what it said in verse 32. In those days, the Lord began to cut Israel short, and Hazel uh, smote them in all the coast of Israel. Of course, Hazel, that was the king of Syria. But I want you to notice that phrase in verse 32. The devil didn't do it. The world didn't do it. The enemies of God didn't do it. The Bible said in those days, the Lord began to cut Israel short. Now let's pray. Father, as I bow God in your presence, Lord, again tonight, saying thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you just continue to bless in the remainder of this time together. Lord, use that offer that was just taken up for your honor, your glory. God, we're expecting spiritual rain to fall this week. God, I'm expecting spiritual rain to fall tonight. Father, I ask God that you'd speak to every heart, Lord, that's in this building, those listening by way of the live stream of the Facebook, CD ministry, telephone, whatever the need is, and radio ministry, those that are listening in tonight, I pray that this message would speak to somebody's heart. Above all, if there's one lost, I pray that you'd say, Lord, help the child of God, help Help us to clean some things from your word tonight. We'll be careful to give you thanks and give you praise for what you do. If we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Second Kings chapter number 10 is where we're looking tonight. And of course, a man by the name of Jehu. And if I could preach on a thought tonight, it'd simply be getting cut short. And basically, that's what God did unto the nation of Israel. God himself, not the devil, not the enemies of God, but, but God cut them short. Why is that, preacher? Well, sin's a big deal to God. <laughs> Rebellion's a big deal to God. Still to this day, why in the world did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross to die for my sin, for your sin, for Israel's sin. Every sin that's ever been committed. The thing that will create a separation of fellowship between man and God is a thing called sin. And because of Jehu's sin, not only did it affect him, it affected his family, it affected the whole nation. And God began to cut Israel short. In other words, they missed out, Brother Harold, on some blessings that would have been there had it not have been for their stinking rebellion and their pride and all that stuff and their sin. And God cut 
them short. Now, when you go to the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings, of course, in the Scriptures, it's necessary to understand the history of Israel. But more importantly, when you study 1 Kings and 2 Kings, it reveals the success and the failure of each king, the one that preceded, then the one, then the one that came after him, and the success of any king. Now, get this. The success of any king was totally dependent on the measure of the allegiance to God and to God's laws. For instance, you'll see time and time again, and he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David did, so did he. Then other times you'll see this phrase, and he did evil. In the, you see more of that than, than the good. And he did evil, and some even says more evil than any that was before him. But the measurement and the success of each king was totally dependent upon their obedience unto God and to God's law. It seemed like David was the measuring stick all the way through that. Of course, Josiah uh, was a great godly king as well. But here we're dealing uh, with the life of a man by the name of Jehu. Well, what do we know about Jehu? There are several things by way of introduction. I'm going to give you, I think it'll be a real short message. You've heard that before. I really think it's not going to be that long. But what do we know about Jehu? We know this, that Elijah, the man of God, the prophet of God, commissioned uh, the, this king. He, he's the one that commissioned him and anointed him to be king over Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 16, uh, God had told Elijah, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. So we know that God used Elijah to anoint Jehu to be the king over Israel. The second thing we know about Jehu, Jehu was a captain of Joram's army. Now, Joram was the son of Ahab and old Jezebel. Now, we know according to the Word of God that there were 70 sons that Ahab had in Samaria. And we'll say more about that here in just a minute. I love that phrase where it talks about kinsfolk over there in that same passage where it reveals there were 70 sons of Ahab there in Samaria. But Jehu was a captain of Joram's army. For the Bible said in 2 Kings 9 and verse number 5, and when he came, behold, the captains of the host were sitting. And he said, I have an errand to thee, O captain. And Jehu said, Unto which of all of us? And he said, To thee, O captain. And that was Elijah talking unto Jehu. Elijah called him the captain. Why did he call him the captain? Because he was the captain of Joram's army. And he's getting ready to take his place as king. So we know Elijah commissioned uh, him and anointed him to be king. That's what we know about Jehu. We know that Jehu was a captain of Joram's army. We also know again that it came to pass that Elisha did anoint him in 2 Kings 9 and verse 6. And he, that being Elijah, uh, he arose and went into the house and he poured the oil on his head and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed thee king over the people of the Lord, even over Israel. Now according to the word of God, we know that Jehu also reigned for a total of 28 years over Israel. How do you know that, preacher? Well, right in, in, in this text, we didn't read it, but if you read on in 2 Kings 10, in verse 36, in the time that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria was 20 
and eight years. So just gather just a few things I think is important to get the gist of the message. What do we know about Jehu? God came to Elijah and Elijah said, hey, you remember Elijah was underneath that juniper tree? There in 1 Kings 19, he thought he was done. But God said, no, you're going to anoint Jehu. You're going to anoint Hazel, king of Syria. You've got those responsibilities. You've got those tasks. You're not done yet. That's where that angel came down and gave him the, the, the cake and the cruise of water, gave him strength for the journey for him to go about and do it. So we know he was commissioned to be anointed as king. Then Jehu was a captain of Joram's army. Joram was the son of wicked Ahab and Jezebel. Elisha anointed him as king, and Jehu reigned 28 years over Israel. Some might say, all right, what was Jehu's accomplishments? There were several, and I'm going to hit them, then I'm going to give you the meat of the message. Why? What did Jehu accomplish? Well, he done some good things. According to the Word of God, Jehu had Jezebel thrown from the wind. If you'll flip back with me to 2 Kings chapter number 9. Now let's read this together. 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse number 30. The Bible said, When Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? She asked a question. She was sarcastic. You go back and you can study about the, the life of Zimri. But verse 32, And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So he asked the question, Who's on my side? Who? That's a good question, by the way, too. You on the king's side tonight, on the true king? I'm talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's a good question to ask. He said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, and that he is Jehu, throw her down. Throw who down? Throw Jezebel down from the window. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. One of the greatest accomplishments of Jehu's ministry was he had Jezebel thrown from the window, and she died there, and the dogs licked her blood. And that was a prophecy that fell upon her. We didn't read it this morning, but we were in that chapter in 1 Kings chapter number 21. Elijah had foretold of Ahab and Jezebel's death in 1 Kings 21, verse 21 and 22, and also verse number 29. So it was foretold, and it came to pass right here before our eyes. So one of the accomplishments of Jehu that had taken the place of Joram, which was the son of Ahab and Jezebel, he had her thrown from the window. Also, Jehu killed all of Ahab's descendants. Notice verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 10. Notice the text. And Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria. What happened to all of them? He killed them all. Killed them all. Wipe the whole crowd out. Well, who was directing him? God was. Yeah, man. You say, man, that's awful severe. I'm telling you, Ahab was wicked. Jezebel was wicked. And there's one thing about God. We think about his, his love, and he is a God of love. We think about his graciousness, and he is a God of grace. We think about his mercy. He is a God of mercy, but he's mostly defined by his holiness. Remember Isaiah 6, three times those seraphims came through. They didn't say holy. They said holy. Holy, holy. You look at Jesus, the double calls in the New Testament. When he said, verily, verily. You better pay attention. 
But the seraphim said, holy, holy, holy. When God mentions something three times, you really better pay attention. Yeah, he's a God of love. Yeah, he's a God of justice. Yes, he's a God of mercy and grace and all of those things and compassion. But his greatest attribute and trait is his holiness. And God in his holiness must judge sin. And God dealt a fatal blow to the house of Ahab when those 70 sons were killed not only the sons we know Jehu had Jezebel thrown down from the window. He killed all of Ahab's descendants. Notice on down in chapter number 10 and verse number 11. So Jehu slew all that remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel and all his great men and his kinsfolks and his priests until he left him none remained. He killed them all. That was part of the accomplishments of of Jehu. Why did God use Elijah to anoint Jehu? Because Jehu was a tool in the tool belt to God to carry out the judgments upon Ahab and his house. So Jezebel was thrown down from the window. 2 Kings 9, all of his descendants, those 70 sons, his kinfolks, his priests, everybody that was attached to Ahab was removed from the land. So that was another accomplishment. But there's a third thing that he did, and we just read it a moment ago. Now we get into our text. Out of 2 Kings chapter 10 for the night. Look at verse 27. And they break down the image of Baal and break down the house of Baal and made it a draught house unto this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Man, what a great accomplishment that was, Brother Brandon. Think about the things that he's done. He's been anointed. By the great Elijah, the one that God used to bring down fire from heaven. We know that he's been anointed as king. He was the captain of Joram's army. But now he's running the show. God's behind him. He reigned for a total of 28 years according to the word of God. He had Jezebel thrown down from the window. Those 70 sons, the kinsfolk, and all the priests had been removed. The whole line of Ahab was wiped out. That was an accomplishment. But he, the Bible said... He removed all the prophets of Baal from Israel. You say, man, he done some good, and he did do some good things. But then comes verse number 29. He had two main flaws, and those flaws caused him and caused God to cut Israel short. Think about all the good he did. I mean, he's thrown Jezebel. He was a tool that God used to judge the house of Ahab. He's removed Baal from the land. But notice two things that he did, two major flaws that affected his family and also his nation. Number one, his worship was not right. (laughs) Now, all that he did, he removed Baal, but his worship was not right. Look with me in verse 29. Now, it just said in verse 28, Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of his man. That's wonderful, but look at verse 29. How be it from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them to wit the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. And the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, thy children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. His worship was not right. He removed Baal. 
He got rid of Jezebel. He got rid of the descendants and the kinfolk and the priests and the 70 sons of Ahab. But his worship was not right. As Jeroboam, if you remember, when he set up those golden calves, one in a place called Bethel, one in a place called Dan, there where people came and it became a thorn in the nation of Israel's side because they wouldn't worship Jehovah God. They were worshiping something that was made with man's hands, those golden calves. And in spite of all that Jehu did right, his worship was not right because he found himself bowing down to not just a golden calf singular, but golden calves. Amen. His worship was not right. That was one of his major faults. There's a second thing that he did according to the word of God tonight. His worship wasn't right, but also his walk was not right. Look in verse 31. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. For he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, which made Israel to sin. His big crutch and hang up his, his pet sin was those two calves. And it kept him from worshiping right. It kept him from walking in the ways of God, in the laws of God, in obedience unto the God of heaven. You say, well, what was the result? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. Look in Verse number 32, here's the message. In those days, in what days? In the days when Jehu's worship wasn't right, and his walk with God wasn't right, in those days the Lord began to cut Israel short, and Hazael smote them in all the coast of Israel. Hazael, again the king of Syria, was the enemy of Israel and the enemy of God's people. What happened, preacher? Well, God cut them short. He withheld blessings. And right after that, it didn't take long, Brother Harold. The enemies of God came in, and they conquered the people of God. Why? Because God's hand of protection had come off. Because they worship wasn't right, and their walk wasn't right. Oh, that ought to give us a heed to a big old warning. They ought to be a big old, big old warning sign flashing. Beware of the judgment hand of God to that crowd that won't worship right. To that crowd that won't walk with God and walk after God. Friend, there's a result that'll come. We don't want God cutting us short. You see, you can be saved, but God will withhold his blessings from you if you don't worship right and if you don't walk with God in the right manner. Did you know there are several things that we can forfeit. We can forfeit when we don't worship right, when we don't walk with God right, and God cuts us short. We forfeit several things. Number one, we'll forfeit the presence of God. You see, the presence of God is what blessed the nation of Israel. The presence of God, God was blessing them. Jehu came in, and he'd done what God wanted him to do in the early on in his ministry. He removed the, the Baal, and he, he, he removed Ahab's descendants. He'd done all that. He was a tool that God used, but I guess we could say he got too big for his britches too because he could not get away from worshiping not just that calf, but those two calves, one at Bethel, one at Dan. His walk with God was not right, and God said, all right, buddy, I'll give you a space to repent of your sin. You refuse to do it, and I'm going to cut you offshore. And immediately, right after that, hey, Hazael, the king of Syria, came in and conquered the people of God. Why is it? Because God's presence had been taken away. How many times have you heard me say this? 
This week, you know what we need more than anything? Again, revival doesn't come with a visit and evangelist. Revival don't come with a singer, with a singing group, with a soloist, with a choir. Revival comes when God chooses to send it. Sure does. Technology we got, thank God for our Bibles, thank God for our worship, for our song books. Everything will be prepared as far as from that standpoint. But if the presence of God ain't in the house, it'll be all in vain. Amen. Without Him, we've got to have Him. There's a lot of folks that think, well, you know, I can just do my own thing. I can rely on my education. I can rely on my experience. I can rely on my, my worship ability, this, that, and the other. Man, we got to have him. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to be more plain than that. We got to have him. But when we don't worship right, we don't walk right, rest assured, and he cuts us short, we, we're forfeit the presence of the Lord. Now, keep in mind, now, once an individual, we're in the church age, when a person gets saved, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You never lose the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit of God, but there are several things we can do. You can grieve the Spirit of God. You can quench the Spirit of God. You can resist the Holy Spirit of God, and you can do that and rely on your own strength, and God will let us. Oh, yeah, He'll let us fall, and He'll let us fail miserably relying on the arm of this flesh, but when, we, when He cuts us short, we forfeit the presence of God, but it didn't have to be like that in Jehu's life. It was his decision to worship wrong and to walk wrong, and I beg you, let's don't do that, because when we do, we forfeit the presence of God. We also forfeit the peace of God. You know, the book of Philippians talks about the peace that passeth all understanding. There's no greater peace in this world than to have a right standing between you and the Savior. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's an old hymn that spells that out wonderfully. Nothing between me and my Savior. Is there anything in your heart between you and the Savior? Well, listen, if there is, there's really no peace. There's no peace at all. So, oh, preacher, I got peace. But then it, it may be anger. It might be bitterness. It might be forgiveness. It might be a grudge. I mean, it could be a pet sin. It could be a secret sin. I have no idea. But if there's something in between there, there's no peace. Amen. We forfeit the peace of God when we don't walk in obedience to, and we walk wrong, we don't walk right. That's what Jehu did. He didn't worship right. He was worshiping everything else but God. you got to be careful not to do that too. You saw that. I don't go on there. Are you kidding me? It goes on every day in America. I guarantee probably numerous people, it probably happened at Faith Community Baptist Church this morning. Probably happened tonight. Anything that takes the place of God in our life, anything we love more, anything we worship more than God, that is an idol. And when we worship that, we worship wrong, and we're walking wrong. And you better make sure you get that. But understand, we forfeit the presence of God and the peace of God, but even the protection of God. And I've already hit on that. I mean, God has got a hedge. There's something about the perfect will of God. When you're in the perfect will of God, I've made this statement before, and people sort of look at you funny, but it's true. Uh, the child of God is immortal. Until God's done with you. Now, did everybody understand what I said now? So, well, wait a minute, preacher, we're going to die. That's right. But you're not going to die until God is done with you. You've got that hedge about you. Amen. In the center of God's will. 
But you start worshiping wrong. <laughs> you start walking wrong. God withholds his presence. Yeah, man. He withholds his peace. And he withholds his protection. And that's why we've got to be careful not to be selfish. You know, a lot of times we pray for our kids and we pray for our church family. We've had some, and, and I think about Brother, I'll use Brother Cameron, for example. I mean, I'd love to have Brother Cameron right here. But it'd be selfish for me and you, Brother Harold. All right, God, we want you to use Brother Cameron, but only use him at Faith Community Baptist Church. That'd be wrong. I mean, right now it's God's will for him to be wherever he is. He's a Virginian now. It ain't Sleepy Rock somewhere else. But anyhow, he's up around Bristol. And you know what? He's better off. He's better off in Bristol in the will of God than in East Bend, North Carolina, out of the will of God. It's a big difference. Now, I understand. We, we're sort of selfish. We want our kids around us. But they're better off and they're in a protective state if they're serving God where God wants them. God, you'll be a whole lot better off if you let them get where God wants them to be rather than where you want them to be. God knows best. Amen. <laughs> But we'll forfeit the presence of God, the peace of God, even the protection of God. And we see right after this, God cut them short. And then the enemy came in unto them. We'll also forfeit one more thing, and that'd be the power of God. We've got to have God's power. But you think about here, Jehu chose not to worship and to walk with God. He worshiped those calves, calves made with the hands of men. He didn't walk after God's law, after his word, and he walked in rebellion. Jehu and Israel were cut short. That means they missed out. Now get this. If you ain't got nothing else, get this. It means that they missed out on God's best for their life. That's what that phrase literally means when God cut Israel short. They was a whole lot more blessing over here if they'd have chose to worship right. And to walk right. You know, we cut ourselves short a lot of times. Because we don't worship right. And we don't walk. And ain't none of us above it, by the way. You, I mean, we can come faithful to the house of God and you not worship right. Amen. You can come to the house of God and not be walking right. I mean, we can put on the stuff. We can put on the attire. We can put on the smile. We can sing, oh, how I love Jesus. But the only one that knows your heart tonight is the God of heaven. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. <laughs> And sometimes we miss out on the blessing of God. You have a service man worth seven or eight just getting blessed, blessed the fire out of them. And then some over here, they, man, they ain't felt the thing. Why is that? Well, they might not be worshiping right. Might not be walking right. God may have cut them short. And they're missing out on God's best. That's why you and I, when it comes to revival time, it ain't about, oh, God, get a hold to old sister so-and-so, get a hold to old brother so-and-so. It better be get a hold to old me, old Lord, old wretched man that I am, that the apostle Paul said, you know what we ought to have this week? We ought to have a single focus vision, not on anybody else but ourselves. You know who needs revival this week? It's Brian. You know who needs help this week? It's Brian. You know who Brian's number one is, enemy is? It's Brian. It ain't the devil. It ain't the flesh. It ain't the world. It's me. And boy, I need help. I want to be like the psalmist. Search me and know my heart. And he does know my heart. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's what I desire. I hope that's what you desire. But when we come in, man, I don't know what you're going to have to deal with today. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Try to clear that stuff out. Get prayed up. Get ready to come in here and worship right. 
and walk right, open up your heart to the Word of God and the worship and see what God will do. Because I don't want God to withhold. I want Him to unleash. He's able. He's still capable of doing that tonight as we stand all over the house. Sister Savannah's coming. How's your worship tonight? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How's your worship? Who or what are you worshiping? What's more important to you than God? How's your walk? Who or what are you following? Worshiping God and walk with God. I don't want to miss out on God's best. Be cut short. I don't want you to miss out on God's best. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. 
there in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 they said neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved you might ask the question preacher how can I be saved that's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 and 31 he asked Paul and Silas he said sirs what must I do to be saved they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house Romans 10 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved you must ask God to save you I can't do it no one can do it for you Romans 10 13 said for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if you know you're a sinner and if you're sorry for your sin and you believe Jesus died for your sins you simply have to ask him to save you and I say preacher how can I know for sure God will hear me but first of all the Bible tells us that we must be drawn John 6 and verse 44 Jesus said no man can come to me except the father which had sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God it said there the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart O God thou wilt not despise if God draws you by conviction if you're sorry for your sin you repent of them if you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sins Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.